Yep, I'm back. Welcome to Unpacking the Box. This is Linnea, your host. Hey, y'all. I hope this finds you all doing well. I hope you had an amazing week thus far, you guys. Today is Wednesday, and your girl is back with another bonus episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're new to me, I thank you for tuning in. I appreciate y'all for taking time out of your busy schedules to listen to your girl. Back so soon? Yes, I am. So today, I have a special episode for you guys. It's really for us parents out here who are struggling in these corona streets with homeschooling our children, okay? I understand I am a parent of three children in three different grade levels, okay? The struggle is real. So I want you guys to check this episode out. I have a beautiful, dope guest who is going to be dropping some major gems. Check it out. All right, you guys, I am here tonight with a beautiful queen that I met on Instagram. She is a behavior therapist and also an autism expert. I'd like to welcome Jessica to the show. Hey, Jessica. Hey, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. Thank you. So excited to be, to be on your show tonight. Yes, I'm so happy you're here. So let's start here. Where are you from? I am from New Jersey, right outside New York City. So I spent most of my um, career in New York, practicing in New York. And I recently, well now five years ago, I moved to New Jersey and I opened up my own company, Hope Education Services, here in New Jersey. Oh, awesome. Okay. So tell me, before we go into, um, you know, because we're going to get into, if you guys who are listening, we're going to get into some tips that parents can use um, during uh, the uh, homeschooling right now. But before we do that, tell me, what is a behavior therapist and what does that job entail? That's a great question. So what I have done is I've studied what's called applied behavior analysis. And that's the basic idea is that as, as parents, as teachers and therapists, we, there are certain things we want kids to do and there are certain things that we don't want kids to do. Then if we change what happens before or after they engage in some sort of behavior, we can help them to choose healthy behaviors over unhealthy behaviors and productive behaviors over unproductive behaviors. So I specialize in one area of behavior therapy, although I have experience working with all sorts of different children and different behaviors called verbal behavior. And what that means is I help children that are not learning to communicate naturally, like children who are autistic, to understand how and why to communicate. So a speech therapist would work with the child when their language, they, they have language, but maybe their prosody is, is not correct or they're not pronunciating things correctly or they talk too loud or too soft or too fast or too slow. Whereas a speech, uh, a behavior therapist, we work on the behaviors behind communication. So that's what I um, am most comfortable with. And I've been working with children at home for 12 years, which is why now um, I'm trying to do the most I can to help parents, even if it's a little bit outside of my normal realm, I've been in the home setting for 12 years doing this. I can, you know, help parents to get through this. Mm -hmm. 
Now, what sparked your interest in this area? So this is a funny story. I was in college, and at the time, I was volunteering to teach a Bible class for kids. And there was this one little boy, and he was the cutest kid I ever saw. I never met anyone who was like him before. I had never known what Mm -hmm. autism was. I grew up in a small town in New Jersey. It wasn't on my radar. And this little boy, every time I would call, I would always call on him to pray. And he would always pray for chicken nuggets and french fries or ramen for dinner. And he'd always thank God for Pokemon. And I would, and then we would all giggle, myself and the other kids, in love. And I just fell in love with him. There was something different about him. And the more I learned about who he was, and I learned, I learned he was autistic, and I learned about what autism was, I decided this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I was pre-law mm-hmm. at the time. I was a senior in college when I made the decision to change my course of direction. And I wound up getting finishing my, finishing my degree, um, undergraduate degree, but I immediately rolled into the day after I graduated college. I started a graduate program in special education. And I wound up getting a degree in special ed and then continuing postgraduate studies in behavior, in um, applied behavior analysis. So I loved it. I've been doing it for a really long time now for... 12 years I've been do, I've been doing this professionally and five years as the CEO of my own company. It'll be five years actually next month. I'll hit my five-year mark. Oh, awesome. That's amazing. Okay. Now, we have all, all of us parents, myself included, you know, we are, we're under a lot of stress because we have thrown ourselves into like this teacher um, position because we're homeschooling now and you know we're it's like full-blown homeschool it's stressful so I want to know you know what are some tips that you have for parents out there who are stressing you know and trying to teach their kids and be productive you know because it's, it's a lot of stress yeah absolutely I mean the first thing I want to tell parents and I think this is paramount to any sort of practical advice is to go easy on themselves and give themselves a break Um, One of the Mm -hmm. things that I think is most stressful for parents right now is that they feel like they are thrust into this role that they may not be equipped to handle. So if you have a child, for example, in middle school, and that child is studying something like algebra, you know, that might be really hard. I mean, I personally, I couldn't teach algebra. I have a master's degree. I've been teaching for 12 years, and I wouldn't know what to do. I haven't seen algebra in, in 25 years. So I would have Mm -hmm. no idea what to do with it, right? (laughs) So I think parents have to first take a deep breath and understand this is a ridiculous situation, right? This is like the world has never seen this, at least during our lifetime before. And Mm -hmm. everyone is in the same boat. And give yourself a break. Like give yourself some grace and understand that everyone is struggling. You know, so if your child is not listening to you, and you're sitting there and you're thinking, what's wrong with me? Why can't I get my child to listen? Just know that 99.9% of all the other parents right now are experiencing the exact same thing you're going through. And that like 0.001% that it's working really well for, they probably are teachers and they're probably still Mm -hmm. struggling. So give yourself some grace. And that's really the first thing important for parents to know and to understand. And then I can get into some practical strategies as well. Yes. Okay. Now also to what I want to know, and I know most parents want to know this too. A lot of us are, you know, obviously we're at home. So it's hard for the children to focus because 
they're in a they're at home and it's a different setting versus them being in a classroom you know what i mean so what what tips would you give parents to kind of help keep their kids on track you know why they're in a home setting because it's a different environment yeah this is actually one of my favorite things to talk about because it can make such a big big difference and actually the new york times contacted me last week and asked me what my number one tip was for parents if i had a pick one thing that's most important, I think it would be mm -hmm. to understand that oftentimes be a, a setting gets paired with a specific behavior. So now I want you to think about the last time you went to your to the library with your child. Now chances are, if your child understands social interactions, because right, we know that there's kids that perhaps don't, depending upon if they have some sort of special needs, like children with autism, may not pick mm -hmm. up on social cues. But typically speaking, if your child were to go to the library, they know to be quiet. They know that they're gonna look for their book quietly um, and they're not gonna run around. You know, you typically don't see middle school students playing tag in the library, right? They, they, they walk in there and they know, this is where I'm quiet. This is where I read the books. You go to the mm -hmm. playground and it's a whole nother story, right? They're running and they're jumping and they're screaming. Well, that sounds really, really obvious, but what parents may not understand is that children don't pair doesn't they don't pair home as a place to do work they pair home as a place to play as a place to uh, to relax that's their safety area and so it's mm -hmm. imperative that parents create a new association because now this is where learning is going to take place and i think that for the most part it seems pretty clear that schools are not opening again this school year for in most states i mean i know new jersey is probably not opening it based upon my understanding what the governor said today where i am mm -hmm. so you know parents have to create a new association so what i recommend is that now this may not hold true for all children but if your child really is struggling focusing you probably don't want to switch rooms you don't want to do sometimes in the kitchen sometimes in the dining room, sometimes in the living room, sometimes in their bedroom, that's not a good idea. You ideally wanna pick one area that's designated as the school area, the workplace area. Put a poster on the wall, make it obvious, make it look different that this is now where we do work. And I would try to avoid doing anything else there right now. So if you mm -hmm. have one corner of your dining room where you can put up a poster and okay, this is now where school takes place, that's ideal. Now that place should ideally not be a place that children are used to playing. So for example, if your child has a playroom or a room that's really just there is where all their toys are. That is, and a lot of parents are thinking, well, I have a little table in there for them. That's where they play. All their toys are there. This is the best place to do school because this is like his spot. No, that's the worst place to do it. Like there's literally mm -hmm. no, nothing, no place that could be worse than a child's designated play area because they're gonna have a lot of temptations and distractions around them. I mean, would you really wanna play if you, I mean, work if you saw all your 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 toys out? I mean, I wouldn't right. want to. I mean, right, think about it as like an adult version of a toy, right? You typically don't have your bottle of wine and your candles and your bath salts on your desk, right? <laughs> when right. you're trying to get through your work. Because it's that wouldn't that wouldn't work out so well. So for kids, we wanna do the same thing. We wanna set them up for success. Um, so that's, that's actually really, really important. I would ideally too try to get some sort of table or desk that's similar to what 
your school is using. Now, if your kid is younger, it doesn't that you can buy them on Amazon for $20, $30, so maybe $40. If you're really struggling, getting a small student desk is a really good idea because you want to create the same association for learning that the child has in school. And there's a lot you can do just in your physical environment to make that take place. And you know, the mm -hmm. second big thing that's really important is to try to keep some sort of structure and schedule because it's, you know, kids are confused and they don't get it. And we're telling them now home is like school and now we're going to be doing school at home. Well, you know, it's, it was kind of crummy weather here in New Jersey all week. It was cold and tomorrow is going to be a really nice day. And so I have the luxury of I work for myself and make my own schedule. I planned the fact that I worked this weekend and I'm taking off tomorrow, right? But I'm mm -hmm. an adult. I can make that choice. As a child, it's probably not a good idea to do that because you're going to send mixed messages to them. You're going to confuse them. So, you know, if I would try to keep to some sort of structured schedule as close as possible. So that way they are getting up and they're doing school the same time they normally would. You know, this is not a time to say like, well, we'll just sleep in for two or three hours and we'll adjust the school schedule. No, you want to keep a structure that's as similar as possible to what the child was doing in school. And that includes like not just kind of saying, well, let, we'll just kind of wing it and any mini mighty mo, either math or reading or it, like, have some sort of order and structure. So your child knows every day from nine to nine twenty, we're doing math. And then we're going to take mm -hmm. a 10 minute movement break, building in breaks for kids to get up and move. I think that's incredibly important for all classrooms, all children learning. I do it with every child I work with all the time. Mm -hmm. I do not believe in making kids sit for one or two hours or, you know, they can't. Their brain turns off. Kids, yeah. need, to, kids need to move. It could be simple. You can get up and do, you know, um, one round of Simon Says or, you know, one song on YouTube, three minutes long and just reset. But, you know, doing structured periods and if children are younger, using some sort of visual schedule so they can see what's going to take place and what's happening next. It's going to relieve a lot of anxiety. And also, it sounds silly, but different parts of the brain are process information differently. And you want to activate as many parts of the brain as possible to help them focus. And most kids are visual learners and most people are visual learners. And especially mm -hmm. kids that are, have special needs in any sort of... Um, a lot of kids, not, not all kids, some kids have issues with processing visual information, but for most kids with special needs, it's easier to process visual information than auditory information, which is a lot of times why a kid will ask you the same question over and over and over. So if you mm -hmm. have a child and they're saying, you know, mommy, what are we, what are we going to do next? And you tell them next, we're going to do um, a computer exercise. And then two minutes later, mommy, what are we going to do next? I told you we're going to do computer exercise 30 seconds later mommy what are we going to do next and now you're frustrated they're frustrated you're getting upset they don't understand why they probably didn't even remember asking you mm -hmm. and now everyone's frustrated versus if you just have yeah. a schedule then it's going to be really clear to the child what's going on so those simple little adjustments you'd be surprised it can make the world of difference in how a day goes for a child mm-hmm yeah, those are all helpful tips, you guys. Are you listening? Like, us parents, we need this. Yes. Because um, it's difficult. You know, a lot of us have, you know, multiple children in different grade levels. And so it's tough. And then, so I want to ask you, because, you know, there are a lot of parents out there who do have children who have learning disabilities. So 
Um, you know, let's say a, a parent has multiple kids. They have two kids who do not have a learning disability, and then they have one child that's autistic. And how do, how how does you know how do those parents balance? teaching the children that do not have learning disabilities versus the one that does. And this is a this is a different type of situation and I'm a very big advocate in helping siblings understand their brother or sister's autism. And in fact, I actually just partnered with a friend of mine who's a father of a child with autism. And we wrote a book mm -hmm. together that is currently free on my website. I made it free and available to anyone to download because of the fact that so many parents are going through what you're asking. We're just giving mm -hmm. it, we're giving it away on my website. So it's a digital copy. If oh, people, nice. If people want to get that, they can go to hopeeducationservices.com, my website, and download it. It's called How to Talk to Siblings About Autism. We talk about why it's important for children to understand that their brother and sister is different. And we also talk to parents about the fact that it is okay to treat your children differently. And the same is not always equal. And that's something that really holds true for special needs families, is that you're not going to treat all your children the same way. And so it's important that you carve out individual time for all of your children if possible. And you know, if you're a single mom, it is okay to put a movie on for your other two kids and to have a 20 minute you know, power session. And you should be doing this not only just for work, but ideally a couple times a week, just even if it's something as simple as like playing Hungry Hungry Hippo with your four-year-old who's, uh, who's typical when their seven-year-old brother is autistic and you couldn't play that if he was there because of the fact that he's gonna be grabbing at the little marbles. You know, it's okay mm -hmm. to do that. So. There, you know, first, like I, like I said, it's first is kind of accepting, okay, there's, I'm going to be treating my kids differently and that doesn't make me a bad mom, but helping your children to understand that and understand why, um, making sure your children can openly come to you and communicate and never invalidate their feelings. So, you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. not, it's not okay to ever tell a child is like, you, you should know your, your brother's different. Like you should understand him. You should be more understanding. It's, you don't want to say things like that. If your child comes to you and says like, mom, you know, I'm just going to make up a name. Jason's getting all this attention and you left him more and I feel left out. You know, you have that conversation of, listen, I hear what you're saying and I know it's really hard for you. I love you and this is what your brother needs and you are your needs are also really important to me. So tell me how I can make you feel valued and tell me how I can make you feel special. Mm -hmm. And, you know, having, okay. yeah, and have independent time for all of your children. Make sure that they, and, and there's always going to be something that a child can do independently. Mm -hmm. So if, you know, you're, if one child has to do some sort of uh, algebra and you're better than me and you can help your child with it and you put your other children to do something else, put your there's something, even if it's something as simple as like watching some sort of documentary where you ask them, you know, questions, they have to fill out questions as they go, that you watched it ahead of time or whatever it is. Do some sort of prep work and it, it's, and just know that it is not going to be perfect. There is no way to make this perfect. This is not a perfect situation. This is a, let's do the best we can in a situation that's not ideal. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And I think that's, the main, you know, issue that parents are dealing with that they're trying to be like the perfect teacher. They're trying to be 
exactly like the kids teachers and I think that's where a lot of the stress comes in at you know we're trying you know but you know like you said you know we're all we're doing the best that we can all we can do that's all we can do that's all of us you know we're in this together and nothing's gonna be perfect and you guys probably heard my dog in the background and I put him in like two rooms (laughs) I put him two rooms away from me and it is but it is what it is right everyone is trying to work from home nothing is nothing's going perfectly I did a webinar um, recently with somebody and like literally a tornado came through the area where one of my speakers was and like (laughs) the other time like someone had on a virtual background and they couldn't figure out how to turn it off and so it just looked really weird I mean this but everyone right now is adjusting to a new normal everyone's trying Mm -hmm. to figure it out and I feel like everybody's being more understanding and accepting than ever before you know everyone knows like we're just everyone's just doing their best and nothing is Mm -hmm. perfect your teachers they don't know what to do either You know, I've had the privilege of doing teletherapy for the last five years because it's one of my, the mission of my company is that every parent everywhere in the world knows how to help their child. And so I have worked with children in remote areas, including um, countries in Africa, countries in the Middle East, countries in Asia, even, you know, through via teletherapy. So I have a little bit more experience, which is why I'm creating so much content and so many resources for families and even for other teachers. But your teachers don't know what to do either. They've never done this before. So everyone mm-hmm. just be, be flexible, be understanding, and give everybody grace, and you're going to receive that same grace from everybody else. Yes, and just have some wine at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Right? I always, you know. I always say that, you know, in the world of education, there's good days and there's whiskey days. Yes. <laughs> I agree. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So, Jessica, thank you so much for all that good information. I hope that the listeners, I hope it helps them, you know, because you gave a a lot of great tips that we can use as parents, and I appreciate you for that. No, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure to to be on Mm -hmm. here. And like I said, I do want to give all your listeners a free gift. So if they want to head over to my website, hopeeducationservices.com, I talked about that one book being free, but I actually have six books on there that are free right now. Um, during this crisis, I made my entire ebook library free. So I have resources on there for having great conversations with teachers, how to talk to kids, uh, siblings about autism, how to talk to grandparents about autism, a book on potty training a child with autism, a book on promoting self-awareness and self-esteem. It has a lot of great worksheets. That's something great to do with all kids. And then mm-hmm. and also a book and one of the most things that parents don't realize because it's, it's something a lot of kids with autism share, but a lot of parents don't realize as part of autism, is having mm-hmm. kids try new foods. Kids with autism tend to be very, very selective eaters. Not, I mean, far beyond just being a picky eater. So I have a mm-hmm. book on there called Just Freaking Eat It. And it's it's been downloaded over 4,000 times <laughs> since I've made it free. Um, and it oh, is wow. the behavioral approach to trying new foods. So I would encourage you, if you're struggling with any of those things and any of those topics, could potentially make your life a little easier. Just head over and grab your free book. Yes, that's awesome. You guys hear that? Make sure you do that. So one more time for the listeners, let us know all your websites, all your handles where they can reach you, okay? Absolutely. So it's hopeeducationservices.com. Um, that's my website. You can find me across all of social media on Hope Education Services. I'm on YouTube. I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on uh, Facebook. If you wanted to 
uh, head over to my YouTube channel. You can just head over to parenttrainingvideos.com. I made it really easy, so you don't have to try and do any search. Just parenttrainingvideos.com. That'll add you to that. You can subscribe to my YouTube channel. I've been putting out a minimum of one video per day since this pandemic started. Some days I put out as many as four to five videos, and I've also been doing a lot of things of like of collaboration. So I have speech therapists, physical therapists, doctors, uh, special needs attorneys, special needs advocates, parent advocates, IEP specialists. I've had everything you can think of. I've had people come on and we're all working together to make this situation work for you and your family. Oh, nice. You guys make sure you check her websites, websites out and follow her. I think you are a special human being. It takes a special human being, an amazing human being to do what you are doing. So keep up the great work. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure and I'm always grateful to have the opportunity to come on here. And anytime you ever have any questions, I'd always, always love to come and answer them for your audience. Oh, thank you so much, Jessica. All right, you guys, we are out. And as always, you know where you guys can reach me on Instagram, unpacking underscore the underscore box underscore podcast or Linnea underscore blogs underscore her underscore way. Be well.